This is Resist and Renew. The UK-based podcast about social movements. What we're fighting for, why, and how it all happens. The hosts of the show are... Me, Kat. Uh, me, Sammy. And me, Ali. I'm recording this now, baby. Shit, it's a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so welcome back everybody to The Toolbox. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the different roles um, that people can play in a conflict situation in quite an idealized way. So a person who's harmed, a person who's done some harm, and then a person who's witnessed it. Um, this is a way of like thinking about conflict in general, but also like a tool that you can use. Um, so like always, we're gonna think about some pros, some cons, and like do a little summary at the end. So uh, Catherine, what are we talking about? So thanks, Sammy. As you said, it's a sort of triangle of a person who has done harm, a person who has been harmed, and a bystander. And this is both a frame, so like a way of thinking about conflict in terms of who's playing these different roles, and also a tool to reflect on conflict, either individually or in a group, about what might happen if you are in any of those roles. Um, so the purpose of the tool is to highlight that there are a range of needs. They're not all going to be the same, whatever role you're in. So, for example, if you are the person who has witnessed harm, you might need to have someone check in with you or you might need to have some time to process what you've seen um, or you might need something else. Um, and then it also highlights the specific needs specific people might have in a group. Um, so if conflict does emerge, you have a bit of a sense as a facilitator what people in your group might need. Also just want to name that this idea of a triangle in conflict uh, is often used in, in other scenarios. So the idea of a drama triangle uh, in maybe more specifically abusive settings um, where you have the perpetrator, uh, the rescuer and the victim roles um, is something that this, this kind of model is drawing on. So I think... Uh, at this point, it'd be really helpful to maybe ground this in an example. So, Ali, do you want to talk to us about a time when you've used this tool? Sure. Um, so, in 2018, r and ran a course for a weekend. And as it happens, both Catherine and Sammy were participants there. So, that's cool. Um, uh, so, the course was called Exploring Collective Liberation. It was kind of a weekend exploring ideas around anti-oppression and specifically around anti-racism. And at the beginning of the weekend, we did that whole thing of like setting kind of the intention for the space, kind of went into some variation of like group agreements. And we also wanted to talk about how we would what we would want if conflict did emerge in the space and i don't think it did but it was a uh a space for thinking about what we'd want so basically at the beginning of the other weekend we just got people in groups and each group had a piece of paper and it said what would you need if you were dot 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 and the dot 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 might be followed by uh someone who caused harm someone who witnessed harm or someone who was harmed and then we just rotated those uh, bits of paper around and it was just a good way to yeah as as we've said already about this had this tool is just about thinking like what needs are there everybody in these positions will have needs and it's helpful to like surface them from the beginning and think what might what might we want to do about conflicts if it were to happen so that's what we did can i maybe add a add a thing on there 
Um, I, can. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if this is something that we did at, at that weekend. Um, but I've also, I definitely remember having experienced a variant of it where there's two kind of questions. So there's one which is like, what would you need as a person inhabiting this role? And then like a follow-up question, which is like, what would you need from this role as somebody else, whether it's one of the other two roles mm. potentially. So like kind of th making sure you explicitly think both as the person in this role and around the person with this role, what are the needs? And it's sometimes, I guess, covered depending on what you say just by the first one, but maybe that's another way of thinking about mm -hmm. it. Cool. So that's a bit of a explanation and example of this tool frame. Does someone want to give us some strengths that they think this, this has? Uh, yeah, I can start. I think uh, for me, one of the strengths of this role is thinking about conflict and the roles in conflict and what we need from a place where you might be in a bit more of a settled emotional state. So rather than trying to work out what you need in the heat of a conflict, um, giving the group some time to reflect um, can just give a little bit of space um, to needs rather than, uh, rather than not giving any space because you're right in the moment of it. Mm, nice. I think a strength of this tool is that it kind of forces you to think about what what it would be like for you to be in any of these different roles. And all of us tend are likely to have been in any of these roles at different times, but we often don't want to think about what uh, like the possibility of ever causing harm and asking yourself to think about that and asking yourself like what would you need in that time, I think is a useful uh, exercise, mm. especially for that part. But I think all of it is useful to like recognize that there, that you can occupy any of these, these positions. Mm. Yeah. I think it's like a very, it's a, it's got like an inherently humanizing frame, right? Like if it links back to the conversations that we had a number of episodes ago around um, like transformative justice, punishment and like the, i think one thing that comes up a lot when you talk to like transformative justice practitioners like go to a workshop things like that like one of the most common ideas is like anybody is a person that is capable of doing harm and like that's a really important tenet to like get in your head and so like and this is quite a gentle way of bringing that to people rather than just like i don't know grabbing a mic and running up to them and being like what would you do when you harm people when are you going to harm people tell me about harming people like it's a quite a nice way into it um, and I guess like one other strength is that um, this tool can kind of help you explore that you might be in more than one of these roles at different times. Um, so it's also that possibility of moving between roles and that that can happen even within the same conflict, right? So you might have done something that was harmful to someone else whilst at the same time also feeling harmed um, mm -hmm. and helping you hold the complexity of those roles and the different needs that you might have depending on what's going on in the moment. Yeah, yes. that is a weakness that it doesn't do that. So mm. I think it could be. Oh, hello. We have it as a strength and a weakness. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. Eliciting the point that you can have things happen more than ah. one at a time. <laughs> Very clever. Very Complexity. Clever. Do we do we think it's true that because it says this tool can help you explore that you could be more, more in more than one of those roles at different times. So I guess, I mean, I guess it depends on how you interpret it, right? Like it is, I'd say as a frame, it inherently positions those roles as not overlapping. 
And obviously you can use the opportunity to highlight, like with any frame, you can use the opportunity to highlight. Obviously this is a reductive summary of the world and things don't happen like this normally. It's not true that there's necessarily like all of these three roles, for example, maybe there's just two of you in a room, <laughs> whatever, like maybe there's not three of you, or like maybe um, there are those overlapping roles, whatever. But I'd say, I'm, I'm not sure I'd say that it is a, it is a strength of the tool that it does that, because the tool doesn't do that. It's a thing that you could do in spite of the tool, I'd say, rather than built into it when using that frame as a tool. Do people agree? I think what I think the difference is, is one, the tool helps you think you... I, as an individual, could occupy any of those three roles at different times, and the the tool, like mm. you said, like segments them. And a weakness of it is that what Catherine says is like actually, I could be in many, all three of those roles at the same time, and that and that's a bit harder. Mm. So that's like tool plus is to go beyond. Yeah. Nice. It's like intra versus inter mm. that that distinction right like whether it's within the conflict or across conflicts mm -hmm. i only know the difference between those things because they talk about it as a joke in the in the film never been kissed with drew barrymore i think classic film you are <laughs> you are definitely putting yourself in a particular generation there. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you mean that's a very popular film that people still remember today yeah. shall we go on to some uh, weaknesses i feel like we got into the blur between them now <laughs> let's save some weaknesses yeah i guess one for me is around like this tool i think invites a level of vulnerability within the group and it invites the group to go to a depth of reflection around harm that can give the sense that the um the space is is going to be held for that depth um mm. and I think there, there needs to be some reflection um, across a facilitation team about whether you can hold the group at that depth. Um, so if you're opening space for people to really think that harm will be handled well in the space, uh, what other tools do you need to be able to work through uh, conflict and harm as it arises? And do you want to be inviting that depth, basically, because this tool will take the group there? Mm. Nice. Oh, Ali. I was just going to say another weakness is potentially that there is like a baseline assumption within this tool that people don't want to cause harm and that they want to be reflective, reflective when they do. And that's not, I think that's generally true. I think most people do want that. And also sometimes people, when you ask them to think about what they need when they've caused harm, they might just say some less than pleasant things and then you have to think about what you're going to do about that and that is, uh yeah it's complicated and especially when it's like in an organization where there are there are hierarchical positions if someone in a hierarchical position of power says that they don't really mind if they cause harm then that's quite a strong thing to say and then there's yeah how do you how do you manage that within that hierarchy where there is power? That's tricky. That's very tricky. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think there's, we've already talked about a little bit about how, like with all kind of frames, it's a little bit reductive in terms of the thing around doesn't help you explore being two roles at the same time. And I think maybe one of the other things that it misses out on is that it kind of implies like a real separation of the roles um, that may not necessarily be relevant. Like, so for example, 
um, it implies that like being a bystander is a distinct role in general from being a person who like does the harm or is harmed whereas often that role of bystander is a lot more complicated than that in the, so like for example like if you're a bystander to like long-running harassment are you really a bystander at that point or like are you complicit with the thing that's happening um and so like it doesn't necessarily speak well to some of those like nuances um of like potentially complicity around a bystander role or things like that um I was just going to keep listing other things, but I'll stop talking now. <laughs> I guess another weakness is thinking about how you want to frame it. So it's not a weakness, but more of a consideration again of like where you use this tool will affect how you want to use it and how you want to frame the definition of harm, for instance. Like the example we gave at the beginning is like a course of mostly strangers or loosely connected people. So we used quite a broad frame there um but when we say harm like everybody is going to be imagining different scenarios in their head and have different experiences they're bringing with them and that can be challenging because we're talking about very different experiences uh and what you need in like more extreme versions of harm are going to be less for uh going to be different to you know more microaggression-y like passing comment kinds of harm like the needs are going to be quite starkly different so it might be worth thinking about how you frame that and yeah related to like that depth of where you want to go that Catherine sh shared at the beginning uh, a little minute ago um maybe if you're in a longer standing group maybe you want to be more specific and talk about particular kinds of harm and that could be mm -hmm. more helpful Mm. It links back to that point we made, I think, in episode one around like the importance of clarity of language mm -hmm. when we when we talk about a lot of this stuff. Harm can be a box that you can put a lot of different meanings mm -hmm. into. I guess, uh, yeah, but this speaks to another weakness for me around like clarifying needs, which this tool does do quite well in terms of saying the range of needs. That's explicitly what it's asking for. But what it doesn't do is in the moment tell the facilitator or whoever's holding the space what need to prioritize because it's likely you're going to have conflicting needs. Um, so it could be that when harm happens, some people really need there to be a pause and for there to be a break and a breather, whereas other people really need it to be dealt with and named and framed in the moment and for there not to be a pause. Um, and there has to then be a choice point. Um, so I think this tool uh, to deal with that challenge needs maybe a bit of an additional stage uh, around a, a decision or an agreement among the group around if harm of some kind, maybe specifically named levels of harm are happening in the group, this is the path that we're going to follow and why. Um, otherwise, you're kind of in the moment as a facilitator having to make a snap judgment across however large the group is, number of needs, which can be very challenging if they are divergent from each other. Yeah, I think like it's a... Uh... There are like opening up tools and closing down tools, right? And this is very much an opening up tool. Like this opens and unpacks a lot of information that then you'll probably need to do something with. <laughs> um, I guess whilst also acknowledging the point that we've made before around how like, which I think we talked about in the Safer Spaces policies thing. There's so many links between the episodes this season. Um, around the difficulty for making like uh, rules that are totally ungrounded from specificities and context. 
and how that can be a challenge mm -hmm. and how often stuff does need to be in a little bit reactive. Mm -hmm. I think though that this may be back to a strength but there is a, a sort of sense of at least then there are reference points so when you're in the moment of a conflict you can reflect back at the group okay these are some of the things that we heard from you are what's needed we're thinking to go down this path now um, because of what we're hearing from the group and check it out um, or at least have some sense of accountability back to what the group has has shared previously in doing this exercise mm, nice can we think of any more uh strengths weaknesses or considerations or should we should we wrap up and move on to top takeaways top takeaways i think uh great i'll start so um <laughs> we're all just looking at each other um so i think for me the top takeaway is that like i think especially when you're talking about like quite general i like notions of harm i think it can be a bit limiting and that can be like a, a challenge so i think for example it's if you're planning an event then talk about like what if people like say shitty things or, like harass each other at the event if you're talking like if you um work in stuff around like domestic violence then like being really specific that you're talking about like um interpersonal abuse um things like that so like make sure that it's, it matches the context that you're working in and isn't too general my top takeaway would be that it helps recognize that anyone can be in any of these three positions, especially uh, thinking that any of us can and probably will be in a harming role at different times. And we don't tend to want to think about that. And it's also about recognizing that you are still a human in, those, in that harm position and you're still going to have needs and that's okay. And it's worth thinking out what those needs might be. And I guess for me, I think this is a tool that can really deepen the vulnerability of a group and our understanding of each other. And also it can make the space feel safer than it is. And so as a facilitator, really thinking, are you up for and able to hold that level of depth, vulnerability and space for considering harm in this way? Nice. Can I end a random note that kind of undermines their lovely top takeaways? Because it's not a top takeaway, but it is just a t it's a small thought that maybe we should have mentioned before is like um there is often like an intent an intention behind the use of the terms like person who has um done harm or person who has some person who has been harmed and things like that like often you're trying to describe like roles that people can play in a way that tries quite intentionally to set them up as like not essentialist categories so you're not like the harmer as like because that kind of maybe can be read as like a thing that you always do a thing that's inherent to you and things like that rather than like talking about the behaviors that you've done so like the wording often like person who has done harm can like be quite a mouth like a mouthful but it's often uh intentionally chosen it's probably a good thing to note seamless great that was good <laughs> that was good thanks again for listening to this episode of the resist renew podcast Thanks as ever to Klaus for letting us use this backing track and to Rowan for doing all the transcription on this season. If you want to find out more about Resist Renew as a training and facilitation collective, check out our website resistrenew.com or on all the socials. And if you want to support the production of this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash resistrenew. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Bye-bye.